Hey guys, welcome back. And this is our second mentor session with Tobias van Schneider. An excellent conversation. Really, really got into some interesting topics here. And I think you will really enjoy it. So here we go. Thanks a lot for joining us. We're super excited to have you here. Yeah. Everyone in the program uh, really, really appreciates it, and Sigi and I do too. Thank you so um, much for having me, though. <laughs> I appreciate it. Sorry, I'm like sometimes yeah. complicated to schedule. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, uh, it's a thrill to have you, Tobias, and, and we're super, super excited. Nice. So uh, just do we have give someone listening of... now? We do, right? Sorry, I'm asking. Yeah, we have, yes. um, we have eight active listeners. Nice. What's up, and... guys? So basically, I'll give you like a little background of where we're at right now. Um, you know, we started the side project accelerator about two weeks ago. So this is week number two. Mm -hmm. And last week, um, the the goal for the week was to basically have your blog set up, publish a post, share the post, start promoting it, and also to record yourself and do an intro video. So they're getting themselves out there, um, getting comfortable in front of camera, getting comfortable writing. And this week, we're going to get into something uh, which you are an absolute expert at, but email marketing, um, in oh, addition really? to other things. So <laughs> um, just kind of giving you a background of where we're at now. Yeah. And we have a ton of questions uh, coming in from everyone. I, I don't know if you've used Crowdcast before, but the way it works no. is basically they can. So it's pretty cool. All the users who are listening in are chatting on the side, and they can also ask questions below. And the questions Got get it. upvoted by the rest of the crowd. So, oh, yeah. um, we, so what we, we like to do is kind of just uh, uh, democracy here and let them, uh, whoever's upvoting the question that reaches the highest, um, go ahead and ask that. Okay. So, um, cool. So I think uh, without further ado, let's begin. Everyone yeah. ready? Let's do it. Cool. Um, can you start off by just giving us kind of uh, a quick background of where you're at now and what you're up to lately? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm so just to introduce myself. So I'm Tobias. Uh, I'm a designer. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I still call myself a designer, I guess, even though I'm, I do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think it's now exactly one year that I left Spotify. I was working at Spotify before that briefly. Before that, I had my own design studio. Uh, now I'm back on my own again since one year, and I've been mostly focusing on working on my own products. Um, some of them you might know, like Simplice, the portfolio tool, um, you know, a lot of writing. I think I spent most of last year actually to learn new skills and just, you know, become better at things that I'm not not good at, um, like things outside of design, basically. So that's what I'm what I'm doing right now. It's really hard to explain, actually, because I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> Can you can you give us an idea? So, what kind of new skills have you learned in the past year or so? So, I think the 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 number one thing that I did a lot in the last year was uh, writing, um, and that sounds so simple, you know, because you don't consider it like necessarily a skill or anything. But I would say one and a half years ago or two years ago, I didn't write at all. Like there was no writing at all. I mean, there there was a little bit of writing in my uh, in my mother tongue, in my you know, in German basically, but not in English. Um, so I wanted to just get better at writing, expressing myself, you know, putting down ideas, helping other people. So that's, I, I would consider it a new mm -hmm. skill because it also influences my design a lot. Cool. So I think that's very, very new because again, like one and a half years ago, that 
side of me basically did not exist. There was no writing to be as necessarily. So, so mm -hmm. yeah. So, so you also have a, um, a video blog and Instagram, and you have all that going on. I guess you learned a lot from that direction as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think photography. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Um, uh, do you say Sagi? Yeah. Sagi, nice. Okay. Um, you got the first time. <laughs> yeah, the, the pronunciation. Um, yeah. yeah, you're actually right about that. I think photography also is fairly new. Um, I mean, I did that before, but I did it even more in the last two years. Uh, I started a podcast, which basically was learning a new skill because there's a lot of, you know, you know how it is. Um, there's a lot of yeah. things that, that go in like editing, planning, coming up with like the, the episodes and all of these things. So like a lot of these like small little projects. So yeah, there's much more. I always forget about them myself. So you could also I could basically say, I think a lot of time in the last year went into creating content in a way more than like, you know, design or like whatever you mean, like whatever design is, you know, mm -hmm. whereas like before, like two years ago, it was mostly like product design and hardcore product design. Now it's more about like content, but you're also still designing that content. I mean, you, you guys know about that. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and how do you feel about that? I mean, about like now designing less, do you feel that it hurts your design skills? Um, I don't think so. Um, not at all. I, I do miss sometimes to just sit down and, and uh, like design something where I don't necessarily care so much about the, you know, the outcome. It's almost like there's, I think there's like a very different thing about, and I'm not saying I'm not caring when I'm working for like a client, but there's, it's, it's very, very different. Like when you create your own content and you design your own content is, you know, you care about the whole package and I actually see it as designing as well. Whereas yeah. um, when you sometimes work for someone, like there's so many responsibilities that might got, you know, taken away from you and you can literally just sit down you just jam a little bit in Photoshop, you know, you create an artwork. Like that's like things that I sometimes miss. I'm still doing on the side, but like for example, just creating a poster for like a festival, you know, like some artwork because it's, yeah. that feels like so easy uh, to me. It feels or like almost like meditation in a way. So yeah, I, I miss that sometimes, but I'm still. I think I'm still designing a lot. It's just, it's just changed, what I'm designing. Yeah. All right. Cool. Great. Um, so, I want to ask a question. The top question we have right now on on the subject oh, yeah. of creating uh creating content and doing all that writing so you have an awesome weekly email i know i subscribe to it Sigi does and many of the other uh people in the program mentioned they subscribe to it and you must put in a ton of time writing it each week and it seems like you don't monetize this email at least not with any visible ads yeah. so what's the value that you get out of this yeah yeah can someone answer that question <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. This is, a, this is a great question. Um, I mean, I do, I do put in a lot of effort and I, I really like writing that email. Um, I think in one of my emails, I actually mentioned about like monetizing it or I was like thinking about it. And sometimes I do think about it because the, it's not just that I invest the time, but it's also that it costs me money. Obviously mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's a few hundred bucks basically right now for like the MailChimp subscription fee. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want to monetize it right now. It's, it's really, that's, it's such a difficult question because I'm, I'm thinking about this so much myself. I feel like the email list right now is something that I just want to keep free. It's like an outlet for myself. It's also something where I, and that's something I learned in the last couple of weeks or months is that 
I don't necessarily want it to grow. Like, you know, I like I remember in the first couple of months, I was very obsessed with people like unsubscribing from my email list. And I was always like, hey, what do I do wrong? You know, how can I make this better? Uh, why are they unsubscribing? It really hurts my feelings. Um, and what I came to the conclusion over the months was that for me, my email list is a lot of sort of like my personal diary. So people who are really interested in it, they can subscribe. But if someone unsubscribes, I'm totally fine with it. I'm not going to run after anyone. So what I've been doing like even more lately is actually trying to force people to unsubscribe in a stupid way, like almost like just making sure that the core of the email list becomes even tighter. You know, I would rather have like, I would rather have, let's just whatever number I put out, I would rather have like, you know, 10,000. Yeah, exactly. Like 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 like people who are really interested in that kind of thing um, rather than, you know, just like a big list where like a lot of like emails always bounce and people are complaining and, you know, I don't want to grow it like that. And that's why I think I haven't also focused on on the monetization aspects yet because I feel like I can I can always do that later. Is that because of of like, do you think that people are not as part um like fitting for that core audience, they're complaining or they just cause trouble or, or what's the reason that you want to keep it to just a core audience? I think I like to keep it to a core audience because it's, for me, the weekly email is very personal and I try to make it uh, even more personal. I want people, I want to share. Yes, yeah, sir. Someone was commenting. You're crunchy, David, your connection. You sound like a robot a little bit. Um, yeah, it's the microphone. Now, you now we can't hear you. Uh, switch to the headphones. Switch to the headphones. There's a problem with the with the wire. I'm just gonna answer the question in the meantime. Um, what was it again? Yeah, exactly. So, I think for me, my email list is more about like sharing my personal, you know, my personal opinion, and it's it's really really hard to explain. I think there's like when I look at Twitter or something else, that's where I like to grow my audiences. Like that's where like the numbers because you can't really reach those numbers anyway. You know, it's like a very small percentage of the people that you get. But in mm-hmm. my email list, I just wanted to have it as healthy as possible. Um, I wanted to be like almost like a little family. You know, that when I you know have to ask for help to my audience that the, the audience will be, sure, yeah, we're going to help you because we know you um, rather than having this big audience. Because right now there's a lot of subscribers on my email list and they're just friends of friends and they heard about it and then they sign up and then they get the first email and then they're super disappointed because they're like, oh, I expected this to be like a UX, uh, you know, like a UX email or something with like the 10 best UX tips. And I'm always like, yeah. no, this is not what I'm writing about. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that answer your question. Yeah, I mean, um, and uh, David, by the way, we can't hear you yet. We cannot hear you. Try to talk. How's that? Better? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, Tobias, like regarding that, um, what tip can you maybe have for all the people here in the program that are now just starting up their blogs and their newsletters and, you know, they want to make money. Everybody here wants to make money out of their uh, fresh new blog and newsletter list. Um, right. Like, What's the tip you can give them about that? Okay, so I think there's two strategies, right, um, that you can have. You know, you have the, you have the short term and then the long term. I'm more on the long long term side with my email list, for example, or everything I do. Um, I know that mm-hmm. I will eventually be able to monetize it. Um, I'm not in it for the money right now, at least the email list. So it's almost like when you think of it, when I think of of all the things that I do, like all the products, they're sort of like, you know, part of this like network 
and then there's this network effect. So let's say you have 10 different projects that you're working on, like side projects, mm -hmm. and the majority of them is free. So you create free value for your audience, like, for example, an email list, whatever it might be. So seven of these 10 projects are free projects. Um, they get more reach. Uh, they create value. And then there's three projects who are paid. But people will always be like in a very subtle way will find out about these three paid projects. And that's how you will make the money. And that's how I like to see my own, like whatever you want to call it, like marketing, marketing strategy or whatever. There's a significant okay. amount of people, for example, who read the email list and then they eventually like find out about Simplice or another paid product that I have. And then they purchase that. And that's how I it's really, really hard to measure like, you know, where the people coming from, but I see it. Like I see it every time I push out content and that content is free, like either putting it out like on, you know, on Medium or uh, the email list. I see the, the traffic like spiking on like some of my uh, paid projects because I know that they're like trickling down. And, and that all happens without like any, um, you know, like direct like advertising because I'm just not a big fan of it. It's the same as like my podcast, for example, which is kind of weird because it doesn't have any sponsors, so it's free. But I always put, put like the line like sponsored by Sam Please in the podcast description. And it's kind of funny because I'm essentially sponsoring myself, right? Um, because it, it is true because right now all the expenses that I have on the podcast, like hosting it, producing it and all of that is basically paid by my own company. Um, so that's like, yeah. that's like my strategy. So I'm not, so to answer your question, sorry, this is like a long, a long answer here, but Great what, answer. I basic, what I basically just mean is that you have to just decide like what you're, what you're in for. Like I'm in for the long term stuff so i'm basically building up these like audiences or i'm just trying to create value that at some point you you will feel you know you have the feeling of like purchasing one of my you know paid products essentially and like paying it back we've actually kind cool. of coined a term for that we i totally agree i love the answer and actually we talked about it in the first lesson last week so we oh, yeah what's the term audience driven product development interesting <laughs> So we're trying to uh, totally, totally agree. And that's, um, I think one of what you just mentioned is one of the things that's um, difficult for a lot of people when they're starting a side project because they say, okay, I know that I want to do this. I want to get followers. I want to build an email list and I'll make money, right? And at the beginning, especially, I think that you have to turn down opportunities for money in order yeah. to play the long game, like what you're talking about. Yeah. Has that happened to you? Have you had to turn down, you know, significant offers of money saying like, um, you know, I'm, this is not the game I'm playing right now. I want to reap bigger rewards later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's hard to say if it's like bigger, you know, rewards. Um, but I mean, absolutely. I mean, there have been many, many people and companies. I'm actually very grateful for that because I, I don't take it for granted that have reached out and wanted to, you know, sponsor the weekly email or sponsor the podcast, for example, which is 100% free. I could totally cover the costs with these sponsors. It's just, yeah. it's just not what I want to do right now because it would be a different kind of project, uh, product if I would do it, you know? I'm more yeah. in for the, for, the long, for the long game. And right now it's more about just creating value, uh, creating value for, for the people who consume the stuff that I'm doing. And that's all I want right now. Um, it's hard right. to say. It's just like, it, this is more about, the interesting thing is this is more about, it's rather, it's not so much about like the monetization. It's more about like the branding, you know, how you set up your content. How do you want people to feel about the stuff that you do? Um, and then they feel more confident in the future to pay for, you know, 
other add-ons. There's another thing actually, um, which I haven't wrote about yet. I wanted to write an article about it. And basically the title is going to be the, the problem with free because there's something about it that you, so there's, let's imagine you have a free product. Okay. And then you have it for one year. And then after one year you decide now nah, I'm going to make it paid. You will have huge problems. Like no one will adapt to that. Everyone is like, Oh, but it was free. Like I'm not going to pay for that. Even though anyone sees the value in it, you know? So mm -hmm. when it comes to like free or paid products, like you have to make a decision up front. Like either you start right away with free or you build up this like network effect. Basically, either you say the product that I'm doing is 100% paid from the very beginning. So people understand that there's a premium tier of it. Or you, um, you know, you have to put in a little bit more work and you have like your three different projects where two of them are free and they basically drive the content marketing and then the one, the other one is paid. Does that make okay. any sense? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm just saying like a lot of things. I think it's it's very very hard to switch from free to paid. Like people don't understand that switch. Like you yeah, have to also, make. A, it also sounds like it? you have to you have to have this network effect that you were talking about earlier in order to do it. You can't have the single product. You have to be able to have multiple products to support kind of the whole uh, web that you're building. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless you you can also just say you know I'm gonna start with like a paid product right away. Um, that's that's okay too. Yeah, um, and can I can I think brings me bring us to a, a, the next question, uh, which is not the most avoided, but I got I got to put this one in. Um, so right now, what is your main? What are your main income sources? What are your um, like? Can you discuss your sources of revenue today, and how are you making money since like in the past year? Can I just yeah. before you answer that, I just want to add one thing on that question: is that um, like in answering that, realize. A lot of the people in the program, we, we want them to like what your answer of the previous question was perfect, but a lot of them say like, okay, cool, but I don't have time to sit around and not make money for a while. I don't have time to play this super long game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I, I can't do it either. Um, I mean, you have to sacrifice in, in one way, basically, right? I mean, my lifestyle, my lifestyle has changed significantly, right? Um, since I'm doing that. Um, so just to your question, Sagi, first, um, my main sources of income, they're very, they're very diversified. Um, but that's just how I like it to have. Like, for example, I mean, there's obviously there's Simplis, which is a company. Uh, I have Authentic Weather, which is a weather app which most people think is just like a fun side project. It is a fun side project, but it still generates revenue, uh, mm -hmm. even cool. though it has, it has fairly high expenses as well, unfortunately, but I'm trying to fix that right now. Um, I'm doing advisor work uh, on the side sometimes for, um, for companies where I'm basically an advisor. So I'm a shareholder in the company, but that's also more like long-term. It doesn't give me like a lot of cash up front. Um, mm -hmm. I have like other little things like... Um, you know, like the beard oil that I did, which was this partnership with like uh, the beard, uh, beard okay. company. So it's like a physical product, but that is basically, you know, helping me to pay my rent. So it's like all these like tiny little, tiny little projects. Some of them are a little bit bigger, some are a little bit smaller that basically uh, generate money and they amount for enough so I can pay my rent. Because honestly, that's all you want in the beginning. I mean, this is not so much, I'm not, a, I'm not about the money. Like I'm, I'm all about just like freedom. Uh, I'm just all about like, having these projects pay my bills and just living a nice life. And that's it. Like, I don't need, you know, I'm, I'm having a very simple lifestyle. I don't drive a car or anything. 
Um, I, I'm so happy you said that um, because again, in our last lesson, we we said uh, that the one value that everyone should strive for, should, should thrive for, is uh, freedom. Just like one word, freedom. And you said that right now. Yeah, so. that's it's what just, I too. Yeah. It's just yeah. freedom. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you. I mean, that's like the number one thing for me. And when you sit down, honestly, and you scale down your personal, you know, lifestyle a little bit, it's not that hard. I mean, I'm living in one of the most difficult cities to do the things that I'm doing right now because it is New York and it's one of the most expensive ones. Um, yeah. But even here, you can, you know, you can scale down your monthly expenses so much that you can actually, you know, pretty quickly live on your own on your own projects. If I would imagine I live like not in New York and somewhere else, like in a little bit more affordable city, it's actually not that hard to do that. And it really, I think that should be everyone's first goal is creating that personal freedom. So, you know, it's not about like, you know, buying that Ferrari or, you know, like making tons of money up front. I mean, that will eventually come if that's your goal. But in the beginning, it's just about just being free. Um, and sometimes yeah. you don't need that much, you know, like in a lot of cities, you can easily... You know, you can easily live off of like, you know, $1,000 a month, for example. And that is not, that is a lot of money for your own projects, but at the same time, it's also not that much. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, got, I got a question and you don't have to answer um, that regarding scaling down. Uh, mm -hmm. So do you have any tips on like, for anyone who's, who's like, okay, so how can I scale down my expenses? Is there any like specific things that you found that actually really helped you to scale down your, your uh, monthly expenses? Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, that depends on your personal life, I guess. You know, I mean, okay. I've, done this, I've done this like multiple times, times in my life where I just moved into like a cheaper apartment or, you know, I started like having a, like a roommate um, to split the rent with, you know, like, I mean, these kind mm -hmm. of things or... I mean, I'm like eating out like way less than before, uh, obviously, because I don't have the money for it. Um, mm. I, yeah. I mean, that depends on your personal life um, because these are just okay. like your, because honestly, if, if it's, it, it really depends if you have a family or not, right? So I can't really tell. I don't know exactly your expenses compared to mine. Um, but we all know there's like a lot of things that we can do. And if, if we really think that this is going to be our future, like our company or our side projects, I mean, we have to make the sacrifices, right? We have to say, okay, where can I, where can I cut down on expenses? I remember when I stopped drinking alcohol, my expenses went down like so much because that's a lot of money that you spent um, and that you can spend on everything else. Um, and, I, and, and, and it's just like, sometimes it's just about like sitting down and thinking about it. Like I knew I have between 500 to to $1,000 a month that I spend on, you know, on alcohol or like snacks, you know, like stuff that I actually don't need. And now I was like, wow, if I just don't do that anymore, I have a thousand dollars extra every month that I can put into, you know, my own projects. Um, yeah. I just think a lot of people don't do that. You know, they live like a certain standard and they say, oh, I don't want to go off of that. You know, I want to keep uh, going to a fancy restaurant every night while having all that freedom. And that might be a little bit harder to achieve. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, it's interesting, um, and and it, it goes like like I see it going in um, like a lot of people are talking about uh, minimalism. I I don't want to get into that right now because I oh, I also don't know anything about that. But uh, um, but you know like uh, Leo Babota from Zen Habits and like all kinds of like these um, oh, yeah. solopreneurs 
are talking about minimalism and like you know how it cut their expenses and made them be able to live better like scale down their monthly expenses but uh, we'll not go get into that right now i okay. guess we'll move on to the next question but thank you that, that was a very very honest and uh, great answer for that question sure so thanks what's the next question so, on here yeah so the next one uh you talk about being a jack of all trades oh that question again yeah <laughs> so they say so your says I worry that doing this could be at the expense of not being an expert in anything. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I actually wrote an article about that. I could just link it, <laughs> link it up here. But um, to quickly answer that question, so there's two things about it. First of all, it's a personal decision, obviously, right? So whatever you want to do, you can focus on one thing too if you want that. Second, we live in a time right now, and if you work in like the digital you know, the digital era, um, you work as a digital designer or whatever it is, like a digital entrepreneur, there's just no way that you can be a specialist at one single thing. It just doesn't work like that. I mean, our industry is so new and so young. You, you can't be focusing on just one thing and, and then say, oh, I'm, I'm a specialist at this because tomorrow you, you're not going to be anyone anymore, you know, because things mm -hmm. are changing so fast. So being a jack of all trades, I believe, is a great strategy, especially nowadays in our industry, where tomorrow there's something new right around the corner, a new technology, a new way of doing things. Like we haven't figured it out yet. I mean, our industry itself, um, of course, the Internet is much older than that. But honestly, we've, we've just started doing all of that stuff, you know. Like all the things that we work on right now, most of the products that we use right now, they're less than 10 years old. Um, so I don't think there's a specialist for, for, for anyone, really. You know, you just need to like combine. And especially if you want to run your own company, you have to be a jack of all trades because you have to do all of it. Um, yeah. When I look at Samplees or other products, I mean, I have to do the, the technology behind. And it's not so much that I have to, you know, do it all myself, but I have to understand it. I have to understand like the back end, the technology. I have to understand the marketing arm of it. I have to understand the content. I have to understand the, the customer support. I have to understand the whole payment stuff. Like how do I get paid? You know, all the bookkeeping. How do I get the money? How people can pay, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's just no way around it. Like if you're just a specialist and you just do one thing really well, you might be succeeding as a consultant because a company hires you and it's like, we just need to fix you. We just need you to fix this one single specific thing. Hmm. But otherwise, you're not going to, I don't think you will get far. Um, so just to wait, what was the second part of the question? Uh, not being an expert in anything. Yeah. I mean, I I, honestly, I, I don't think that you can nowadays with the stuff that is so young, you can be an expert at it. You know, you can an expert at things that is like, I know, you know, like some, something like a craft, you know, that is like woodworking. You can be an expert at that because that stuff is around for hundreds of years. You know, you can an ex be an expert at it. But can you be an expert really at anything, you know, digital or anything that is, has to do with the web? I don't think so. I mean, you can be very good at it, but I don't think you're an expert necessarily. That's my opinion. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, by the way, uh, Tobias, are, did you coin the term? Like, I, I don't know if you coined the term, but I remember you mentioning uh, being uh, um, a jack of all trades, a master of some. Yeah. That was, that was your article, right? Back then. Yeah. 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 I, I, um, yeah, I mentioned that in my, in my talk sometimes. Who, who was that yeah. question from? The question just disappeared. Was it year? Yeah. That, that was from Year Walden. Yeah. Year Walden. Walden. Okay. 
Um, um, yeah, actually, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good. You're, you're my supporter saying he read the article. Obviously, <laughs> he read the article. Yeah. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, I think there's also. Um, I don't know what's this. Ex I can't remember the example exactly. I think I wrote it and uh, I read it in some of the uh, one of the books from Tim Ferriss. I mean, you're probably familiar with Tim Ferriss from the, the Four Hour, hour Workweek. Work week. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure. I think it was in the Four Hour Body book. Um, and he basically wrote that, you know, becoming a master at something is actually quite easy nowadays um, because I mean, it really depends what you consider being a master in. So, for example, we often consider that being a master or an expert means that you know 100% of your specific field, but oftentimes knowing 80% is already enough, um, and knowing 80% is actually not that hard. Uh, compared to knowing 100%, because often just the last 20% are the hard ones. Um, it's the same with like, I think he gives this example. I So sorry if I'm like completely butchering this example right now, but he makes this example of like learning the Spanish language and there's like mm -hmm. 100,000 100, words or so plus. But in order to speak and understand or speak fluently Spanish and understand it, you only need to learn about like 2,000 words. So out of these 100,000, you only need to learn 2,000 to become a pretty good, you know, become pretty good at uh, speaking and understanding Spanish. So, and that's what it's basically about. It's like picking a field um, that you're interested in and then trying to understand which of these 2,000 words I need to learn because you don't need to learn 100,000 just because there's 100,000 that exist. Does that make any sense right now, what I'm talking about? 100%. It's, it's, yeah. like, uh, it's like the, um, what is it called again? The, the Pareto, the Pareto principle, right? It's like the, the, the 20% that drive 80% of the output, right? Yeah. Um, cool. So, and, and that's basically the whole, the whole strategy behind becoming an expert or becoming a master. You know, you only need to find these 20% in order to become 80% effective. So would this be a fair way to sum up kind of your philosophy on it, that you should be a jack of all trades because you should be like sort of experts in these trades. You're not saying to just kind of get your feet wet all over the place. You're saying to actually find the way to hack it a little bit, but uh, become a serious level or almost master level the easiest way possible in many things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I basically just, and that's cool. what I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying to, when I'm like dabbling in a new field, I'm always trying to find these 20% that I believe are the most important things that I need to know in that field. And oftentimes that it's an, that's totally enough. Um, because I know if I would go like even further than that, it would take me many, many years. So yeah, like you said, um, it's not like, you know, being stupid and not engaging with these fields at all. It's just about being like hacking them, like you said, hacking them. Um, and being smart about it, you know, like, and, and, and finding like these 20% that are most important, finding these 2000 words of the Spanish language. Um, so I can speak yeah. Spanish without learning 100,000 words from the whole, you know, uh, vocabulary. That's pretty much it. Cool. Yeah, cool. Sounds great. All right. Um, so the next question we have here is, how do you plan your content creation and promotion? Mm. Oh, man, I'm like a mess <laughs> when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, I actually don't really have like a lot of plan when it comes to that. Um, I mean, my goal right now, so the only plan that I have is I write one article a week. Um, I mean, all the other projects, there are some like sort of like social, we have like social media calendars. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Okay. What's that? Wait. Like we just plan out the week of like stuff that we want to post. So basically what we do is like, yeah. So, um, 
I mean, this question is a little broad, so I'm not entirely sure what uh, Oliver is like asking here. If this is like for a specific project or like in general. Well, Oliver, feel free to qualify uh, to comment for that in the meantime. But I'm interested in how you come up with the, the email topics each week. Oh, that's just like panic. Oh, he just said in general. Um, I mean, I, I come up with email topics. So basically, what I do is like it really depends on what project because I do a lot of like content creation and promotion, also for things that you might not see because they're for some of my projects and they don't run under my own name. Um, but essentially for my weekly emails, for example, what I do is like, I keep ever, I use Evernote a lot. And then just during the week, every time I read something, because I read a lot of books or I hear something in a conversation, um, or maybe even after our conversation now, I just sit down in Evernote and, I'm, and I just put in a few ideas. I'm like, oh, this could be an article because you asked me a good question. I'm like, oh, I could elaborate on that. Um, and then I just put it in. It's just like a stupid bullet point list, um, that would make no sense for anyone else because it's just like, you know words um and then at the end of the week um because i'm really bad with planning my weekly emails unfortunately i always tell myself okay tobias it's monday we're gonna be all strategic about it we're gonna start writing early it's never gonna happen it's like usually like like actually on sunday i'm like freaking out um and then i'm writing something and then basically when i have to sit down and i have to write something i usually go through that list and i'm like oh what do i feel about right now what do i what do i feel about writing and then i pick a topic like a note that I made like a week or a month ago, and then I write about that. And sometimes, and that happens quite a lot, unfortunately, it's not very helpful, but I sit down and I write an article, uh, and then I'm like halfway through, and then in the article, I basically mention something, and then I'm like, oh, maybe I should rather write an article about that. So I, you know, so I start over and write a new article because I got inspired while writing something. So, I mean, that's, that's my strategy when it comes to like writing my weekly if that, cool. I, don't know that strategy. I don't know if that was like super helpful but i mean honestly <laughs> yeah. it's it's very easy because every time i sit down and i look at this list of things of ideas that i collected over the last couple of weeks it's almost like a cheat sheet you know it's very easy for me to just pick a topic and then start writing because i already prepared in a way so cool. okay so every sunday is it kind of like uh sunday morning this is your writing time you're saying or do you have a time during the week that you're no, planning it's, on it's mostly at night so what i do right now so right now um my current strategy is i uh, every sunday i have to publish one article obviously via the email list or wherever i publish it uh during the week right now i also publish new ones i don't know if you noticed like sometimes i i publish new ones on medium right now because i'm trying to publish uh, two every week mm -hmm. and then sometimes i have like some random idea like during the week and i just sit down and i just pump out this article in like two or three hours and then I publish it to Medium. But these are usually not planned. They're just like very spontaneous. But funny thing is like these spontaneous articles are usually the ones that are my most read articles, which is like super funny. <laughs> nice. Never the ones where I like plan uh, ahead at all. All right, cool. So in your blog, you mentioned mentors such as Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is not a common mentor for designers. So Amri wants to know, how do you find your inspiration and what you got you to Arnold? Where's the question? Sorry, I wasn't. Oh, did you remove that? Um, it's, it's now the top one. When we finish answering, I'm Oh, in your blog, you mentioned mentors such as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yes. Whoa, how do you find inspiration? How do you find your inspiration? What got you to Arnold? <laughs> Whoa. Uh, it's actually a little bit related, I think, to the first question, right? 
from Oliver, I guess. By the inspiration? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, do you want to touch on Arnold specifically or, or you want to I mean, move on? So, I mean, here's... No, no, I'm, I'm trying to answer it. I mean, here's the thing. I, I try... Like, my strategy is as, as much as I can to get inspired outside of the fields that I'm working in. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I work in design and people always ask me, I always get emails. I'm like, hey, Tobias, what are your... What are your top 10 favorite designers or what are your top 10 favorite design books that I should read to get into design? And I always answer, I don't know because I don't have any. I have no idea. Like all the books I read and I also have all my reading recommendations on my website, they're all outside, you know, the design industry. Um, I don't know why that is. I just get, I, I feel like if you're working in design or whatever it might be, it's the same thing if, if you would work in fashion, try to get inspired outside the world of fashion. Because if you're a fashion designer and you just look at what other fashion designers around you do, you will never come up with any you know, new or unique ideas. You have to go outside. Um, and that's basically what I'm trying to do. And I get mostly motivated and inspired by people that are not in the design industry. And that doesn't mean that I don't like designers and I still value what designers do. And I still have a lot of friends that are talented and I get inspired by what they do. But when I want to come up with something new, I try to look at other people around me. And for example, Arnold Schwarzenegger, how did I came about him? I mean, he's Austrian. I grew up in Austria. He actually grew up like in the same city that I lived in Austria. Okay. So there's that, I guess. Um, and then I just uh, read his biography and I just learned that Arnold is just this self-taught guy that taught himself everything he knows. And he went from one industry to the next. And that's one of, and that's a very, very few people know that about, uh, about Arnold Schwarzenegger is that he dabbled in industry and he was at the top of industries that, you know, people don't even know about. Like people think that he was like a famous bodybuilder and he was, you know, great with that. But he was also a great politician and he was one of the top paid uh, Hollywood actors. So he went from, you know, being, being an athlete, basically a bodybuilder. He went all the way to the top and instead of at the top saying oh you know what i'm like i'm at the top at bodybuilding right now the next logical step would be to uh, open up like a gym chain you know and like go more into training and like sell like uh uh like courses and whatever no that's not what he did he was like you know what i'm just gonna start over i want to become an actor you know someone who who barely like spoke uh english with like a freaking heavy accent and also the way he looks i mean it's really hard to become an actor like that because you can only play very specific roles so but then he became an actor and when he played terminator he was like one of the highest paid movie actors in hollywood um and then he was at the top and he could have you know go gone even further no he was like you know what i want to start over i want to become governor of california and that's <laughs> for me for me, this is just the, the essence of being like almost like a jack of all trades and being like every time I achieved something, I'm like, you know what? Instead of getting comfortable, I'm going to choose my next challenge. What am I going to do next? Um, and I think a lot of people don't know that about about Arnold. You know, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood, but he was only booked for like, you know, action roles. Right. Because that's how he looked like he was muscular and he was the Terminator. But then he started like, I don't know if you know, but like one of his most or a few of his most successful movies are all comedy, you know, where he plays this like, uh, like kindergarten dad. And he, he went from like being an action hero. He went into comedy. I mean, that's almost like its own entire new career, you know, like going from uh, action into, into comedy. And that's what I love about Arnold. I, it just really inspires me, you know, to always start over and try really cool. again and try harder.
Yeah. So Guy mentioned a while back that he uh, came across a good biography of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he wanted to read it. And I was telling him, I was like, no, come on, that can't be interesting. <laughs> that can't be interesting? <laughs> you changed my mind. Yeah, the book, no, the book about Arnold, I mean, it's, it, it sounds super interesting. I really wanted to read it. It is. It's. It, I think a lot of people, but I mean, I just mentioned it, right? I think they just don't know yeah Arnold in, yeah. in depth and yeah obviously I mean there's a lot of scandals around Al Arnold Schwarzenegger of course um but I, I think there's something that I I really admire about it you know like all the different jobs that he he held you know he just went to the United States uh barely speaking English uh and trying to yeah. you know start his bodybuilder career basically mm. um I mean, I, I would totally get into it. And this is how I find my inspiration. Like, I just look up to these. And it's the same with, like, Eli Musk, right? I mean, Eli Musk is, like, one of my biggest inspirations because he's just this guy who <laughs> wanted to build rockets, you know, and <laughs> and didn't have any former education. And he just started reading a lot of books. And it was like, it can't be too hard to build a rocket. And, you know, and it's it's, for me, this is so inspiring because that is so far away from, like, because a lot of designers are like overwhelmed with like learning a new software, you know, and, and here's this guy who's like, oh, it can't be too hard to build a rocket, you know. I mean, if, if, if Elon Musk can build a rocket, you know, and like learn about that stuff, um, you can learn how to use, you know, Adobe Illustrator. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just like for me, it just puts things into perspective and it really inspires me. Cool. Great answer. Do we, uh, are we still looking? At, I'm looking at this chat here right now. Are we answering those people too? Um, you can uh, answer in the chat, like if you want. Hey. But yeah. oh, Oliver, Oliver has a question for you. Oliver, asking question is that in German here, huh? That's in All German, right. though. He was asking me if it's okay to ask questions either via Twitter or email. I like it. Twitter, Twitter is better than email because email I take months to answer. You can ask <laughs> Sagi. <laughs> Uh, actually, I, I'm kind of interested in this. Oliver has a couple questions here, uh, and Oliver is also from Oliver's from Germany. And we were uh, talking with Oliver about joining the program, and a couple other. There's a lot of uh, participants that English is not their first language, so they were yeah. um, trying to decide between writing, deciding to open their blog and writing in either German or whatever their first language is, um, mm -hmm. or English. So, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I. I mean, it depends like how well you're connected in your industry, I guess, in your country. I, it's very interesting because since I started, I, I basically started everything in English first when I you know, started my own like writing or whatever it might be. Uh, it was always English. I always wanted to focus on that because I knew I have a bigger audience. I also knew that because I was in Austria, I knew that my writing or the things that I do will not find an audience so quickly because... Um, Austria, I don't know how Germany is in that regard, but it's way more conservative, at least at the point where like a couple of years ago when I was there. So I knew like whatever I'm going to do, like I will not find an audience, like people will not find it interesting. I will find more people who find it interesting if I write English. I mean, if you're very well connected to your country or like to your to, to the network in your country, I would totally write um, in German or in, in your language. But I mean, it really depends on the potential, like what kind of company or what kind of stuff that you want to write about. I noticed that the stuff that I, and I've written a lot of stuff in German before, and I didn't find a single audience. And that's mm -hmm. only due to the fact that Austria, and I don't want to be mean or anything, but it's a, it's a small country. And when it comes to digital or the internet, everything is like 10 years behind. And um, like whatever I was writing about just didn't, f there was no audience for that. It's just people were like, you know, like we're not ready for that stuff yet. Um, 
we're we're just getting you know we're just like we're just getting used to the internet essentially so okay. um and uh, i mean the, the the bad thing is now well i mean the bad thing is but i don't think like for example i don't have unfortunately a lot of connections to germany you know like i mean the people i know there's a lot of people who always ask me to write something in german but i'm like i I can't do it right now. It's not it's not worth it for me because there's not that many people who would be interested in it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would always prefer in English. Do it in English. I mean, your audience is just a thousand times bigger. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good answer. I learned that after three years. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's that? I, I learned that after three years. I, I have a blog five years in in. In Israel, no. It, I mean, I still keep going on with the blog. I mean, I feel it's kind of like I feel like kind of like a mission to to take the design level up here in Israel. Yeah. Because, like you said, like we we are far behind. Like I don't know if ten years, but we're at least like two or three years behind everything that's going on. And yeah. I really want to up that, and I want to up the level of designers here. And I think uh, we have some talent, but um, yeah. even talents are not learning fast enough. So. But in that case, I think it makes total sense, you know, because you have a very industry-specific blog, um, and that's why you should write in your language, right? Because that's your goal, yeah. essentially. You you really want to, like, if your goal is to, like, if my goal would be I want to reach everyone in Germany 100%, I, I would totally uh, write in German. Uh, I have yeah. to, because there's still too many people, even that, that I know, uh, that live in Germany, and they do not speak English fluently. Or, or, or for them, it's like easier to consume content that is in German. I still know a lot of those people, even though they could read English. And you know that too, right? Probably in Israel. Same here. Like yeah. your, your audience, they can read, they can read English, but they're just, they're very, uh, like, how do you say, like lazy in a way, a little bit. You know, they're like, oh, I would, yeah. I still want to have it in my language. I would rather have it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it exactly. depends. Cool. Thanks. Good answer. Cool. Thanks. Um, the next question is about launching products. So when you apply the startup mentality of if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, then you've launched too late to a side project. Uh, what does that mean for building a community and start growing? How do you know when the product or site is just good enough for launch so people won't run away? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm always embarrassed by all the stuff that I launch, like, especially like one year later. Um, honestly, I, I mean, I'm, and this is something I had to learn over the years because I'm a designer and like most designers, I think we are perfectionists in a way. I'm definitely a perfectionist and that's why I come from. I come from like pixel perfect designs, like making everything beautiful and amazing and great transitions, smooth feeling. It has to be perfect. Um, but what I learned was it just doesn't work like that in real life. Um, at least not for me. Um, so over the last couple of years, what I what I improved up on a lot was to completely ignore my perfectionist mindset and launch as soon as possible, as early as possible. Like, don't give a shit about how it looks, how it works. It just have to, you know, you just have to create some sort of value so people don't run away. Um, but I, I'm always the one, and a lot of people are actually very surprised by it because they sort of like, they know me as like the Tobias who creates beautiful products and pixel perfect things. And then they sometimes see these like Frankenstein monsters out there. And I'm like, look, but I'm, I'm just testing something. I'm just testing it out. I just want to see if people use it. It's like a beta test. 
Um, I'm a big fan of pushing it out and launching it as soon as you can, like immediately, like don't even wait because most projects, and that's very true. Most projects die not because of failure, but because they just never managed to launch, you know, because people are so afraid to launching it. Um, that's the number one reason. Did I dodge the question cool. or was that an answer? No, I think that was perfect. I think that was exactly what we're looking for. So you're for it. You say, just get it out there. Yeah, get always it get it out there and like try, like try to fake it until you make it. Like, you know, come up with systems. Nice. I'm always like in my talk that I talk about, um, I talk about side projects have to be stupid. Side projects have to be, they have to be simple and stupid. They have to be so simple that there's no excuses um, to not launch them. Like the moment they're too complicated, um, you, you will not do it because the moment they're more complicated, you come up with all of these excuses. And that's what a lot of people do, right? They have this idea for a side project and then they're like, oh, but how am I going to scale this? How am I going to monetize this? Is this system, you know what I mean? And then you get, it's almost like the people who, you know, the people who like, uh, they have a lot of stuff on their to-do list, but they spend all day like downloading the perfect to-do list app. And then they download like 20 to-do list apps. And and then they haven't, (laughs) yeah. And then, and then they haven't done anything yet, you know. And it's so it it just drives me nuts. It's like every time I talk to people and they have this idea for like a side project, they're stuck with the most simple shit. You know, they're like, oh, should I use should I use Heroku or Amazon Cloud Services or should I use a different hoster? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, get it out there. You know, if you honestly, if you have a problem with scaling because thousands of people are ruining your server infrastructure, then you have a really, really good problem. Um, But until that happens, it doesn't matter what you use. It doesn't, you can use a Windows computer or a Mac computer. I don't give a shit, you know, like just put it out there. Um, And I think a lot of people like don't know that, you know, they just want to do it the right way. And they're like, oh, is Amazon the right hosting provider or should I use? Heroku or Google Cloud. I'm like, there's no right answer to that. Um, So it's the same with like people who want to start a podcast and then they spend like one year researching the best audio recording software, you know? And I'm like, just dude, just use QuickTime or, you know, like whatever it might be. Um, So I think, yeah, like keeping it simple and stupid really helps a lot of getting it out there. That's my mentality at least. Cool. Great. Cool. Uh, you mentioned that you haven't missed a single week of your weekly email in over a year, right? I think uh, I think you mentioned that in, in the newsletter. Yeah. And I'm curious, so why do you think consistency is so important? Um, yeah, I have not w- missed one. I mean, I have not missed a week. I, uh, I sometimes have delayed emails, so I sometimes send it out on Mondays instead of Sundays, but I think that's still fine. Um, consistency is just consistency is the thing that will make you successful. I think consistency is also what will make your project successful because essentially what it means, consistency means that you're showing up Um, and it has an effect on not only the people who see what you're doing, but it also has an effect on you yourself uh, mentally. Um, It helps me to like stay, you know, stay in the flow. Um, And it also gives people this promise that every Sunday or Monday, every week, they get something from me and that's why they will show up. It's the same. I think the best example that I've seen so far or like recent example is um, Casey Neistat, who is this YouTuber. Have you heard about him? No, no, I haven't. 
so he's this YouTuber and um, he was uploading like YouTube videos um, over the last couple of years a lot, but he was very inf infrequent about it. So he always did it like every other week or every other month. And I think he had about like, I don't know, 400,000 subscribers or something like that, you know, like average size on YouTube. He wasn't necessarily blowing up. And then at one time, at one point and one day, he was like, you know what? I'm going to do a daily vlog every single day, every morning at 8 a.m. No, no you know, no excuse. I'm going to upload a video every single day, 8 a.m. And then the moment he did it, his audience exploded. And within just the last one and a half years, he went from 400,000 to close to 4 million subscribers. And just because, I mean, of course, of course, his content is good. Of course, his ideas are good. Of course, all of that. But there's a different promise to it because he said, you know, he was focusing on consistency and on the promise that there's something new every single day it's the same thing with like uh series you know like th uh, that run in the tv like imagine like series would be like oh you know what uh guys i'm just gonna you know we're just gonna publish this like every other week like we don't know like it's just gonna maybe it's gonna take a month maybe just like a week we don't know instead of like you know releasing it like game of thrones like every sunday night um there's something about this come out exactly it's i think it's just mm -hmm. this uh anticipation basically for the audience um I think consistency is key and it's also one of the hardest things um, to break through. I mean, consistency is, is good for everything. It's good for your workout too, right? It's like consistency helps you to create new habits. If you do something for one month, every single day or every single week, um, you're very likely to create a new habit. Um, uh, that might be, you know, working out, that might be stopping to smoke, or it might be like writing a, an email every single week. I think this also ties into what you were saying before that some of your your best articles are not the articles you planned on being successful and i think like when you're consistent you produce content and you do more and you don't know what's going to make it but just putting more out there saying i'm going to get it out every week mm -hmm. and eventually one thing does like uh, another cool thing what i've i found is uh looking at some of the really big bloggers you know having like hundreds or thousands of blog posts Mm -hmm. And they have a few random blog posts that bring in a lot of the traffic. And I, I'm imagining they're saying similar things. That, you know, they didn't know that was going to be the one post when they wrote it that brought in all the, you know, the traffic. Yeah. But I think consistency might help, uh, might be one of the, the factors to help get to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's also, and I, I just see the comment here from Omri. He, he, he says, is it possible that you haven't sent this week's email? It's very possible. I haven't sent it this <laughs> week <laughs> because I'm going to send it tonight. Um, so, and, and, and that's why this is very, very important. Um, the consistency part is as important for yourself than it is for other people. And I think it is even more important for yourself um, because this is just sticking with your own promise because people, I think people can live with it. If, if I would actually skip like a week um, or, you know, like I'm like a couple days late, I think people are fine with that. People don't have a big problem with that. But the problem is that I'm going to get out of the rhythm and I'm not sticking to the things that I promised myself. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like working out, you know, if you, if you just uh, skip like one week of working out, it could be that you, you know, you get completely out of rhythm and then you just stop working out completely. Um, oh, tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. So I think the consistency part is, is very, very important. This is for yourself, not for other people. It's just for yeah. your own sanity. Do you have any tactics maybe for, for the tough times of being consistent? Because, you know, everything is like well and good when you're, when you're working. It's a normal week. Okay. But, you know, you go on vacation or something like this. Yeah. Any tactics for those, uh, the tougher times? I had it multiple times. Um, 
the the tough times. I mean, I think honestly, first of all, I think the tough times are the ones where you really like see what you're capable of. It's like you know, like you're in the plane, you're at the airport, and you're like, "Fuck, I need to push this out. I I need to do it." And then you can actually do it, and that makes you like so, you know, like so motivated. The second thing is you can always prepare for those situations. Um, like right now, for example, I have um, like seven or eight articles that are already pre-written. I can just copy paste them. Mm. Um, okay, so you've got some backups ready to go if, if needed. I, yeah, I have a backup strategy. Mm. I usually try to not do it at all because I want these emails to feel fresh and more like a diary style. Um, so instead of like picking one of those, I would probably like I would probably even like write you guys. I I don't know what I should write this week. Um, instead of like picking one of my backup articles, you know, but they're still there, like just in case I need them. Um, so that's something you can prepare for to have like a backup strategy. If you have a little bit more extra time, produce more content. So you have it in the future. Um, but yeah, th those are the only things that I do. Cool. Thanks. Cool. Hey. And yeah. Um, I know we're approaching about an hour here. We have time oh, for yeah. a few more questions. Let's do a few more. Yeah. Like three okay. more, maybe I'm trying to keep cool. it short. Perfect. We'll do okay. the next three questions on here. We got, uh, so how do you choose your podcast guest and how much research do you uh, do before the interview? Yep. Great question. Oliver, is it Oliver again? Yeah. Yeah. It's Oliver. <laughs> um, that's a good question because my podcast has been difficult because I try to focus on people that are not part of the design community usually. So it is it is a podcast that has mostly designers and makers listening to it, but I want to have people on the show that are outside of that community. Uh, and it's really, really hard to get these people on the show because I will basically ask them and they're like, what do I care to speak in front of like a design audience? <laughs> you know, um, it would be easier for me to get designers on the show because they're like, oh yeah, it's designers as an audience, but I want to have people that are not part of that. Um, I choose podcast guests basically based on how much they inspire me personally. You know, if I just find a person online, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, you know, maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger in the future, who knows, but these kind of people, it's these kind of people that I want to have on the show. Um, I also choose them based on how much I think new value or like uh, or new perspective that they can provide for my audience that listen to the podcast. I believe that there's enough design podcasts out there that speak about the same stuff. Um, so I, I want to have guests on the show that give completely new perspectives where you're like, holy shit, I have not thought about that as a designer. Um, Research-wise, there's quite a lot of research that goes into it. I usually try to meet with these people, with my guests, at least once or twice before the show. Um, so we have a little bit of, you know, like a, a connection. Uh, I also try to research as much as I can in terms of, so it's not like basic questions that I, you know, can find somewhere else. Like um, I usually try to read a lot of interviews of these people already online. So I don't repeat the same questions um, and challenge them with something new. Uh, the goal with my podcast is to have a very casual conversation. It's almost like we're sitting on the couch, just talking to each other and then we record it and then we put it online. And when you listen to it, it feels like you're just part of it. You know, you're just sitting with us in the room. Um, I hope that answered your question, Oliver. So it's Perfect. very, yeah, yeah it's, it's like very random, but I really like it. There's actually a new episode coming out. Um, I mean, it's already recorded and everything. So I hope by Wednesday, the latest, not making any promises, but I think it's going to be possible. Cool. Okay. Um, last two questions. Yeah. I think we have, okay, cool. So um, 
Can you discuss starting Synthesis and how it came about and what's your role in it today and how much time does it take? What can I explain? Can you discuss uh, how you started Synthesis, like how it came about and how the project got uh, going? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, today, what's, what's your role in it exactly today? How much time does that take? Sure. Uh, Simply started actually very funny. Uh, I think two days ago, we had our two-year anniversary. So it's exactly two years ago that we started Simply. Uh, sorry, that we launched Simply. We started Simply four years ago, but we launched two years. It took us quite a long time. Um, the idea was born out of um, my own needs, basically, and my partner's needs. Like all we wanted was, I just wanted a portfolio tool that I can work with. And I was very unhappy with all the ones that are out there. I wanted one that, that I can use to build case studies and branded pages. And none of that really existed. So we built it. Uh, I used it on my portfolio, I think, for like one year. Um, and then we were like, wow, that's, you know, if we, it was all very hacked. You know, there was no nice backend, whatever. It was just for myself, basically. And then we thought, hey, what if, what if we give this like to other people? That would be awesome, you know. Um, so we, we redid and redesigned everything again. Um, and then one year later, we launched it to the public. Um, and our hopes was just cool. that a couple of designers would use it, um, which we which we now achieved, and I'm very happy about that. Um, my role right now is we're working on a completely new version right now um, that is a little bit more future proof than the old one. Because like you said, or like we discussed earlier, like you look at the stuff that you did four years ago and you're like, Ugh, I wish it would be different. <laughs> so we are completely redoing it, um, which is a big risk for us, but um, we want to keep growing it. So the goal with Simply is to keep growing the community, keep helping designers to build a better portfolios, better case studies, get the jobs that they always dreamed of getting. This is our goal with Simply. Um, but at the same time, I want to stay as small as possible with the Simply team specifically so that's basically a challenge is to not hire more people um but more like streamline streamline all the processes that we have you know and um yeah that's pretty much it cool and so how much time are you spending on that today or like uh, is it is it a set amount of time or it's sporadic based on um simplice would probably take me like five or six hours a day okay a day okay yeah I mean, it's a company. It's like running a team and like, you know, working on a new product and like being, I mean, I'm I'm basically overlooking everything. I mean, I'm working with my partner who's focused on the development, um, but basically I'm working with him on like new features, like the design. I'm working on like the customer support stuff, like with our customer support people. I'm working on like marketing, like making sure that new people come in and also use Simply's, um, like all of these things, uh, social media. So it's, it takes a, a quite a lot of time actually right now. Yeah, cool. I gotta say it's really impressive that, that you have uh, that you're able to produce so much other content, you know, through the podcast and newsletter with with this going on. Um, yeah. It's really really impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I guess you just stopped it. sleeping altogether, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> but it definitely takes like a significant amount right now. Yes, it's like my main. It's definitely my main focus. You could say that. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. Um, so, you want to ask uh, the last question? Um, yeah, let me choose. Well, um, well, I think like there's the. Uh, okay, so my question is uh, about reposting articles, and it's something that we go back and forth with, and I guess that our members here will be in that dilemma. So, you post on Medium and also your own personal blog, which you mm -hmm. recently opened. 
and it seems like you're promoting your medium account more than your own blog mm -hmm. so i wondered you know what the reasons for that are is it just because your blog is new or or like why why aren't, aren't you like going full power with your own blog and yeah. why are you reposting content like um did, did, is it helping you do you feel you get more reach okay. Great question. Um, the reason why it is the way it is right now is because it is in, in transition. Um, this is not how I want it to be. Uh, I wish it would be different. So my Ooh. own blog is not done yet. Uh, I do have these like uh, web views of my individual articles, um, but I do not have an overview yet. And that's what I'm working on right now. So I think within the mm -hmm. next two or three weeks, I hope um, maybe a month, like the latest, I will launch my own blog. And with my own blog, I mean like it's, it will be my own magazine. So it's like it has like a nice overview with like featured articles. It actually gives you like an archive of all the things that I've written about. And the reason why I haven't promoted my own like links to my own blog yet is because that thing is missing right now. There's no, there's no discovery. Like if I link you to one article on Twitter and you click on that article and then you're stuck, like there's no way to like explore all the other things that I've written about. Okay, um, I see. So what I'm doing right now, I'm fixing this whole thing. Um, so there will be my own blog, and then I will also start promoting that a little bit more. I will always post on my own blog first, and then I post on other outlets, uh, whatever that might be, Medium or another outlet. Um, but yeah, it's just not done yet. Um, and I hope it will be done soon. It's like 80% there. We're, we're in the middle of the development right now. And that will be basically like the outlet of all my... Because just last year, I think I wrote about 120 articles or something like that. Um, and there's no way really to, to see them, like to find them, you know, it's really hard right now to explore them in all the different categories. So that will be my own blog, um, that will hopefully launch pretty soon. And yeah, I will promote it. Cool. Let us know once you launch it, we'll promote it and hacking you as well. Definitely. Yeah, I would love we'll to. We'll be waiting yeah. for that. Yeah. Let's hope it's going to cool. be good. <laughs> Probably will be. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so that was basically the last questions, uh, the last question. But there's like, if we can push one short one in there about like what convinced you to be part of this mentorship program. Um, what convinced me? It was Sagi. Sagi. <laughs> <laughs> I was pushy. <laughs> Sagi was so pushy. It's amazing. I couldn't. I couldn't even say no. First, I was like, I can't. And then Sagi was like, no, it's not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was like, I heard once someone say, luck favors the persistent. So <laughs> I was like, I, I think you'd be perfect to be a mentor in this program. And this session showed that you are completely, was perfect for that. And um, no, so it was, I, it was great. No, I mean, I, 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 think, I, I think the reason why I really liked what, you know, um, the stuff that you explained to me when you first wrote me, because I mean, obviously all the things that people in here working, uh, on is also the stuff that I'm working on and the stuff that I'm interested in, you know, and those are the things that I write about. Those are the things that I talk about. And I want everyone who, who has that idea that is nagging them, that side project, I want them to launch it. You know, I don't want them to, so whatever it might be that I can do to help anyone, um, I try my best and I'm always, I always try to, as good as I can to be available uh, at least on Twitter because it's the easiest medium for me to reply because email is just killing me lately. Um, and I'm always telling everyone like, if you need something, if there's anything I can help with, like just tweet at me, like I will try my best uh, that I can. Email, I can't promise, 
because it's just like it's just like a mess and I'm not getting anything done because I spend hours a day like writing emails and I feel like it's just a void. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I always, you know, try my best. So if anyone even in here like needs help or needs something or has some questions, like I'm, I'm on Twitter, I'm available. And I try to reply right. usually as much as I can. Amazing. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah, this has been an awesome session. I know I yeah. learned a lot. I'm sure everyone else did too. So really, thank yeah. you. Well, thank you guys for doing this. I think everyone is really, I'm pretty sure everyone who's um, part of this, um, how do you call it? Is like a course? No, it's like a, a side project accelerator. Like accelerator. Yeah, I think everyone who's, I think everyone who's part of it, like really thanks you for doing that. Uh, and I think yeah. it's not, I don't think people should take it for granted that you guys are doing that as well, you know, because you're putting your time and effort and knowledge into this as well. So I, so on behalf of everyone who's in here, <laughs> thank you for you guys for doing this. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. But that, that was amazing. And it was really insightful also seeing a bit, like going into your process of you sharing this in an honest way, uh, being open about all the questions. So thanks so much. Um, and we will have this uh, as a podcast. We'll send it to you as well. Um, so um, we'll, we'll share like a podcast format, the video recording format, like in one post. Um, so everyone here could um, always go back to that and that wraps us up i guess so okay so that's, thanks again awesome. have a great day you too guys and we'll, we'll all be waiting for your email and for your blog in a couple of weeks no pressure no pressure <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come to build you know? all right, Sagi, all right, David. All right. Thanks so much. bye bye, bye. bye. bye.